0: hi everyone welcome to this week's installment of the gospel of mark we are in chapter 13 we've made it this far how awesome has it been i know i have loved it um, so this chapter here is um, quite a long discourse so jesus is talking to um, his disciples i'm going to set the scene in a moment But something that is very, um, I guess, key in this uh, chapter that um, the gospel writer is trying to, uh, I guess, convey is that this is all about um, a judgment that has taken place. And a lot of scholars actually, um, I guess there's a lot of, Disagreement as well as agreement um, around this chapter because there are definitely themes of um, Jesus' second coming, but there's also themes of the destruction of the temple, which was a judgment um, that took place in AD 70. So if you know a bit of history out there, you'll probably really enjoy um, this chapter, but I encourage you to actually look into what happened in AD 70 when it comes to uh, the temple. It'd be really interesting for you. Um, I know. I found it really interesting. Um, so that, so just bear in mind that that is um, that's what this chapter is about, and that's generally the question that people ask um, when they read through this chapter. It's like, okay, there's so much stuff going on here. Uh, you know, some people would call it apocalyptic language. Like, what is that all about? So, I'm gonna try my best to break that down um, but as well uh, just kind of I guess point out a few key truths that Jesus is trying to put across to his disciples um, but first let's set the scene so um, Jesus and his disciples were just in the temple in Mark 13 it basically goes on to um, uh, they're leaving the temple so it's Jesus now talking with his disciples and and what they converse about. So they were just in the temple. And in Mark 11, we see Jesus clearing the temple. He's kicking out the temple tenants. And and some um, versions call it the cleansing of the temple. But that's that's a really key um, action or a really key uh, thing that Jesus does in Mark 11. And then on to Mark 12, we see this beautiful story of the faithfulness of this widow. Um, and so that's something to, to note as well in the lead up to Mark 13. Um, and so now Jesus is leaving the temple and we've got to note for the last time uh, in Mark. So the temple doesn't feature again in Mark. And that's something really important to note because it's kind of, you know, well, a lot of the headings say the destruction of the temple foretold. So we basically know that that's going to happen because the temple is never mentioned again. Um, And then in Mark 13, this is, again, what I was saying before, it depicts God's judgment on the temple. um, And this is a result of Jesus being rejected by the tenants. And and we've seen that actually right throughout the book of Mark, which is um, very, very sad. Uh, But I guess, you know, there's always hope in the gospel, which is awesome. So, uh, what I wanted to do today was actually, because it is quite a long discourse, um, break it up into the paragraphs that the NRSV version gives. And so I'll read those out and then we'll have a bit of a chat about what that paragraph is about and hopefully you can follow along, hopefully I'll make it easy for you. So let's begin. Alright, so chapter 13. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings! Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, so note that change in direction, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Of course, you'd want to know, right? Then Jesus began to say to them, Be aware that no one leads you astray many will come in my name and say i am he and they will lead many astray when you hear of wars and rumors of wars again like i was saying the apocalyptic kind of language do not be alarmed this must take place but the end is still to come for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places there will be famines this is but the beginning of the birth pangs so um, at the very beginning of this chapter, we have this disciple being so impressed uh, with this temple building and with the greatness of the temple, and it kind of shows that something still hasn't quite connected. I don't know whether uh, God intends for this disciple and the question that he asks or the exclamation uh, that that he you know presents, whether that's meant to sort of um, you know uh, be a role model for the other um, disciples. Maybe that's where they are as well, but, you know, something's still not quite connecting with them because Jesus throughout is saying, look, this is going, this isn't a forever thing. This temple, it's become corrupt. It's, it's not what it's meant to be. Um, but still, something has not quite connected for this disciple. Um, and so we see um, also that they leave the temple and they head to the Mount of Olives. So this is actually... Um, uh, an interesting part of this story, and I believe that uh, Mark, the this gospel writer, he's, he's a genius, because this is actually an echo of the judgment that is seen in the book of Ezekiel. See, um, God's presence is in the temple. You can read that in Ezekiel. And then when there's judgment on the temple... It talks about the Spirit of God or God's presence leaving the temple and going in this certain direction. And it's actually the same direction of the Mount of Olives. And so whenever we see um, a story in Israel's scripture that is kind of repeated in the New Testament, you know that it's actually, it's kind of prophesying something. It's saying that that very thing is likely uh, to happen again. It's like a pattern. So there's this mirroring happening here. And so this, I believe that Mark, what he's trying to say is that there is this second judgment of the temple coming. Um, And then Jesus gathers, uh, you know, his inner circle and they ask that question. Um, And so Jesus provides more insight to his inner circle. And we've seen this right throughout the Gospel of Mark. You know, it's just that that sense of if you're hungry, if you want to get around Jesus, he's going to give you more. He's going to share more with you. And and I just love that. I love that that's something for us as disciples today as well. Um, And a key theme in this chapter is Jesus' concern for his disciples. And we see that very early in this chapter right here. Um, the way that I kind of see is like it's almost like a will the final will and testament of Jesus um, that he's leaving with his loved ones you know we do that um, when we're writing our wills Um, and Jesus is cautioning his disciples one of the last you know long conversations he has with his disciples before his death is he's cautioning them that you know things are gonna get difficult and he uses the um, the idea of birth pangs he uses that language and you know for any woman who's been in labor you know that birth pangs you can't escape it it's it's something that's going to happen um but you know it's it's because um there's this beautiful event that's awaiting to happen and that's the birth of your child um and so it's this inescapable uh you know, destruction and difficult times that's going to take place. However, what I love um, that Jesus does in this discourse is that he leaves some key truths and, and really hope um, for his early disciples, but I believe for us today as well. And so we're going to um, talk about some of those key truths shortly. So that's really uh, the first paragraph um, of what Jesus is talking to his disciples about. And the next heading is persecution foretold, and this is verse 9 uh, to 13. It goes like this. As for yourselves, beware, for they will hand you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit." Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Again, terrible things. Jesus is telling them, warning them, giving them a heads up. There are terrible things that are going to happen and I don't know if I'll, I was, if um, i do not know about you but if I was one of them, I would actually be really glad that I'm hearing this news. You know, it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, I can prepare myself and, and that's what Jesus is wanting to do. He's wanting to prepare his disciples. And so he's saying these things will take place and. Actually this is historically very accurate, uh, the, um, the writer Josephus, um, if you want to look into his writings, actually writes about these events and um, historians as well, so you can actually find this information about these particular things happening um, in the destruction of the temple at, um, in AD 70, so historically it's accurate. Um, and that's why, as well, some scholars believe that um, this particular section of Mark 13, this early section, isn't talking about Jesus' second coming. It's not talking about end time theology. It's actually um, talking about the destruction and the judgment of the temple that happened in AD 70. Again, uh, there's division on this, um, but from what I have researched and what i can find i i find that that is probably mostly accurate that this is still um talking about the judgment that happened in history in the past Um, so i just want to come back to those key truths that I referred to earlier so um from the very beginning jesus points out that the holy spirit will be with you that you know he's he's basically saying yep, it's gonna get rough. It's gonna get really, really tough actually to be faithful, to be a faithful follower. But know that the Holy Spirit, that my very spirit is gonna be with you and is actually gonna be able to give you the words to say in those um, difficult, uh, maybe even confusing and definitely fearful times that Holy Spirit's actually going to be moving in you and through you to testify to to these people who um, you know aren't just commoners, but to these kings and these people in authority. So that's a promise for his disciples that that he's giving them that the Holy Spirit will be with you. And another thing that Jesus um, encourages and cautions is that endurance. Endurance is key for Christians, for for people who believe in him. Endurance is something that. We just need to have um, in order to see um, the fullness of his salvation at work in our life um, yeah so that is verse 9 to 13. now i kind of like this next section because again it's got the weird language the apocalyptic kind of language um it's talking about the desolating sacrilege and, and different versions call it different names um but uh we'll get into it um so verse 14 to verse 23 it says but when you see the desolating sacrilege set up where it ought not to be let the reader understand then those in judea must flee to the mountains The one on the housetop must not go down or enter the house to take anything away. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not be in winter. For in those days there will be suffering. Such has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now. No and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has cut short those days. And if anyone says to you at that time, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. False messiahs and false false prophets will appear and produce signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be alert. I've already told you everything. So, start from the top. The desolating sacrilege. Now, um... Some scholars see this as, I guess, um, idol images that maybe the Romans would have set up in the temple. Um, But if we actually see from Israel's scriptures, which Mark, again, um, the gospel writer, he actually uses a lot of Israel's scriptures and weaves it right throughout the gospel. And so um, I personally lean more towards um, this meaning of the desolating sacrilege, that it's actually an idolatrous idolatrous practice um because the pattern of israel is that they bring their own judgment on them because they they say yes to god and then they create idols and they worship idols and and then judgment comes because of their lack of obedience or lack of faithfulness to god and so when this um, passage talks about the desolating sacrilege, um, I believe that it, Jesus is actually talking about those events um, that just happened in the temple, how he was in the temple, he cleared it because of all the corruption and all of the things that were taking place that should never take place in, in God's house. Um, and so that's what I believe that it's actually pointing to um, this desolating sacrilege. It's, it's actually um, the, the Jewish uh idolatrous practices that were happening uh in um in the temple and um yeah and he makes it very obvious that this sacrilege was set up where it ought not to be um again pointing to those practice pra- practices in the temple um and so that's what i think that that means um the other opinion is um the romans actually taking of the temple and that kind of a thing um Again, so there's a couple more, um, I guess, uh, sentences or or, um, words that Jesus speaks that scholars believe this is still talking about, the judgment that happened then in history, um, because he then goes on to say to flee. So he talks about this um, fleeing to the mountains. When you see these things, flee. And why some scholars... Um, argue that this section of Mark 13 must be talking about the judgment at that time is because Jesus' second coming involves the entire world and so where would you flee to in that case? There would be no geographical location that you could flee to uh, to avoid the judgment of the world and so the argument is that therefore it must be talking about just what's taking place here in Judea um, because there would be geographical locations to actually flee to. So again This particular section is still talking about um, the events near AD 70. And again, um, Jesus talks about, you know, all these things going on. There there will never be um, such suffering before this time, nor after. And the fact that there continues to be time after this particular suffering and judgment tells us that um, this is something that would have happened in history, not at the end of the world um and so that's kind of more evidence to suggest that um this is talking about eighty seventy. so again let's come back to our truths that jesus is leaving his early disciples but i believe he speaks to us today so the third thing is that god is merciful that's a promise that's something that we can see even in our lives today but i love that jesus points out you know if if it wasn't for god being merciful there would be no one being saved. That's how uh, severe the destruction and the judgment um, was in that period of time. No one would survive it, but Jesus, but God cut short those days of suffering so that the elect would be saved. And so that's one of the truths. God is merciful. By the way, when this passage talks about the elect, what um, scholars believe it's um, talking about is that Um, before the elect was Israel. So it was the nation of Israel. And now the elect is talking about kind of like an Israel that's reconstituted around Jesus. So it's Jews and Gentiles. It's the people who remain faithful to him to the very end. Um, And so God is merciful to his elect, to those who are faithful to him. Um, But I believe that uh, that it's almost like a ripple effect. God being merciful to His believers, actually other people get to be a part of His mercy as well, which I think is just such a beautiful thing, because um, it's a testimony to Him and His His just awesomeness and His goodness and His kindness. And I believe that the mercy that um, people can see in our lives, the mercy of God, I think that would speak volumes to them and as a testimony, as a witness of his goodness. Um, so God is merciful. That's one of the other truths that Jesus is communicating to his disciples. Um, and, a, and a fourth one is that Jesus has well equipped his disciples. Um, when when he talks about, you know, be but be alert in verse 23, but be alert, I've already told you everything. He's saying... Guys, there's nothing I'm keeping from you. There's nothing that you need to know that I would have kept from you. But you can trust in my words, trust that what I have communicated to you, what I've shown you, what you've been a part of is actually enough um, for this um, suffering, for this, um, this time. And um, I really believe that for us as believers today, it's, it's the same thing, that we can trust in Jesus' words, that, it, that they are meant to give us um, this inner strength, this resolve, this resilience, this courage in the face of adversity. Um, and so it's really important for us to renew our minds, to continue to renew our minds with the word of God, because it's actually the power that we need, especially in those testing and trying times and, and you know... As a Christian, if you've ever been through a time of suffering, you would know that the Word of God um, has been a sword for you um, and can act as armour and a weapon for you. And so I believe that that's a truth for us today as well, that we can take comfort in Jesus' words. We can trust that He has equipped us for everything that um, that we go through in our lives. Okay, so let's continue on verse 24. Verse um, And this is headed, the coming of the Son of Man. So verse 24, But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So, um this is verse 24 to 27 and some scholars believe that this is now talking about the second coming whereas there are some other scholars that believe um that this is talking about also the judgment in eighty seventy and the second coming um so like the scripture fulfills both of those events um so it's up to you um you know whatever you research whatever you look into you know that's something that I guess you need to decide for yourself. Um, But, uh, and and part of that, um, the evidence for that, that this is now a part of, um, this is now talking about Jesus' second coming, is that it says, but in those days after that suffering. So it's saying in those days, but, after that suffering. So this is where some scholars believe that verses 24 onwards is no longer talking about AD 70. So it's not about the destruction of the temple, but it's about Jesus's second coming that's to happen in the future. Um, and what we're going to note as well, again, there's this language here, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light. This is poetic language. I, I don't know whether that's going to happen um exactly like that the stars will be falling from heaven i don't know if that's going to happen but um from what some of the scholars have said is that um if we can look at this almost kind of like um you know you could picture a bushfire or you could picture a city going down in flames um, I don't know if you've um, watched any kind of like medieval type movies but um, you know when a city has been um, people have gone in and, and basically ransacked everything I want to destroy it you can kind of see this picture of um, you know the stars will be falling from heaven would depict um, the cinders of the flames and um, and you know the moon will not give its light often when there's a bushfire you know um everything's just dark the sun will be darkened um in another translation it says like the moon will turn red and you know you get that during a bushfire so the picture here the poetic language that they trying, that mark's trying to paint here what scholars believe is that it's actually talking about destruction those particular things might not happen but what it depicts is destruction and so we know that this is a time where um, there's utter destruction. So that's why I'm led to believe that it's not just talking about the events in Judea, um, but it's, it actually involves the whole world. Because it goes on to say as well, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And so that's where I think, okay, there's something bigger happening here. Um, and then verse 26, son of man coming in the clouds. Now that's... That definitely, you know, we think um, Book of Revelation when we read things like that. Um, but again, one of the scholars in particular that I was reading, he he doesn't seem to think that Jesus is literally going to be coming in clouds um, because this is a biblical picture of vindication. So this whole idea of coming in the clouds, it's a picture of vindication. And biblically, I believe that... Um, Jesus bringing vindication is Jesus bringing salvation, him bringing redemption um, for believers. Vindication means to remove blame. And so that picture for me is is us actually not carrying the blame for our sin, but we are standing righteous in Christ. Um, and so beautiful poetic language here and and jesus is coming with great power and glory um and, and it's just you know real powerful kind of language um also then he will send out the angels so some scholars believe that these angels what mark isn't isn't talking about is actually these heavenly beings but this is actually more um he's referring to human messengers so these angels are these human messengers and we see that um john the baptist would um would be called one of these we see paul and all um you know the writing that he's contributed um in the new testament that these are human messengers that go out to the ends of the earth um, or their message actually goes out to the ends of the earth um, because it talks about and gather his elect from the four winds, from the four ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So this is is kind of like a whole cosmic type um, event that's going on here. And so these messages are going out um, and the elect, those who remain faithful to Christ, are being brought in. And so... For me i get the sense that you know why would jesus be going out uh jesus's message be going out for us to be brought back in again kind of like what happened in the book of acts so that leads me to believe that it's actually this is more second coming uh language that's that's going on here because why would jesus do that again um so that's just my opinion in there um let's continue on verse 28 to um we'll finish off to 37. So the lesson of the fig tree. From the fig tree, uh, learn its lesson. From the fig tree, learn its lesson, sorry. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So again, with Jesus saying, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's where I believe that um, he is talking about his second coming now because it involves the whole world the necessity for watchfulness, but about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do, do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come—in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all: keep awake. So, um, he in verse thirty-two, Jesus says, "But about that day or hour." Um, this kind of language um, in Scripture would be depicting a decisive action on God's behalf so when you know it's kind of like when you set up an appointment with someone you give the date the hour that you're going to meet it's a decisive action that's taking place and and so this is something again that Jesus is reiterating this will happen it's inescapable um but but God knows and God's in control and so, um, again, we see this theme and, and so Jesus is sort of wrapping up this discourse with his disciples and he's, he's reiterating the importance to keep awake and to actually keep on um, keep on going with the commission that I've given you. Uh, he talks about how it's so important that these workers are going about their work, that they're doing, and they're not being... Um, caught, I guess, unawares when the master comes back. Um, But that's the encouragement that he is giving his disciples. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but keep on going. Know that my spirit's going to be with you. My words are enough and are a strength for you. Um, This will happen, but keep awake, endure, keep vigilant, keep on working, keep on spreading my gospel um, until this appointed time. And so... For us as believers today, I believe that that message is um, relevant. I believe that it is talking about Jesus' second coming. And so the challenge here would be how are we as believers today keeping up this commission that Jesus has given us? how are we going out into the world and making disciples spreading his gospel being one of those messengers that go out into our world um maybe not going out you know to another country or another geographical location but to people for the people that you know God so loved that he gave his very son to us how are we going with that commission are we awake are we slumbering are we slacking off I think Jesus's words right throughout the book of Mark, um, you know, it, it should mean something to us. It should mean a lot to us actually. There's, there's a lot of gravity to his words. And so I believe there's a challenge in here. Absolutely, there's a challenge. But again, some of the key truths that Jesus has given us throughout the scripture um, for his disciples then who had to endure the destruction of the temple, but also for us as disciples today, where we are in these end times and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. But let's reiterate those key truths that he's given us. That one, the Holy Spirit will be with us. That we are to endure for our salvation. That God is merciful. Even in the darkest times, my prayer is that you would see God's mercy and that you would experience it in its fullness. Jesus has well equipped us as his disciples. We can find a lot of strength and truth and hope in the words that he's given us in his word. And lastly, that we are to keep watch, that we are to keep awake, keep vigilant, keep on working for God. Hey, what better mission do we have? And so I hope that this week's um, discussion in our lift groups is going to be a, a fruitful one, a challenging one. I really hope that it is challenging. You know, at lift we don't want to—we um, want to raise disciples. We we um, want to raise people who are um, serious about their commitment to Christ. And so, I hope that that this um, discussion will be very uh, uh, enriching this week in our lift groups. Can we just pray, and then we'll finish up there. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for um, your prophetic word as well, Father, for the things that are to come. God, we thank you that you have prepared us in in every way. God, that you love us and that you're merciful to us, Father. And God, I thank you that you're present with us. You've sent your spirit to help us along our journey, Father. And God, I just pray for every person listening to this message and, and who will engage in their lift groups, God, I just pray for a conviction, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you'd speak to each and every one of us and help us to be more faithful to you, God. We know that your conviction comes to bring life. And God, that's our cry. We, we want to be faithful believers and disciples. And we want to follow you, God, uh, no matter what the cost, Father. And so, God, I pray for all the discussions that are going to take place. Pray for your presence. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your voice above everything. God, we love you. Pray your blessing over every person hearing this message and their households that they represent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks and have a great week um, discussing with your lift group. Be blessed. Bye.